Our sponsor today is Green Ronin Publishing. Green Ronin is a Seattle-based company dedicated to the art of great role-playing games. Since the year 2000, Green Ronin has established a reputation for quality and innovation that is second to none. If you're looking for exciting fantasy, look no further than Fantasy Age, where your heroic stunting can create the difference between a cinematic battle and a mundane encounter. Have a need to strap on a cape and fight the forces of evil? They do mutants and masterminds. Also available, the Expanse role-playing game based upon the hit book series. Green Ronin Publishing creates role-playing games, card games, and fiction for the very best in role-playing games and to forge your own path. Choose Green Ronin Publishing and become your own master. Find them at greenronin.com on all social media at Green Ronin Pub and wherever role-playing games are sold. And now, be sure to log in to GreenRoninStore.com. Using our affiliation code of GKHERO, you can save 5% off your total purchase of over 100 fantastic items, including role-playing games, card games, fiction, and much, much more. At GreenRoninStore.com. Use our affiliation code GKHERO to start your journey today. Brought to you by the power of the internet and fueled by imagination, this is Game Night Heroes. We toss dice and tell stories. The deeds of heroes await, and legends dare to be heard. This is Game Night Heroes. Hello, and welcome back to the Game Night Heroes. We are the Game Night Heroes, and you can be too. We are a group of five friends playing actual play of tabletop role-playing games, and today we are continuing another adventure in Freeport from Green Ronin Publishing. We are going to be telling a collaborative story, and the outcome of that story is going to be determined by dice rolling. So, before we dive right in, let's go ahead and have my fellow players reintroduce themselves. Hey everybody, I'm Rob. I'm going to be playing Victor. And I'm Colleen. I play Iridanza. I'm Aaron, and I'm currently playing Arden. And I'm Brittany, and I'm playing Nisha. And I, of course, am Kevin, the host and the Dungeon Master. And because I'm the Dungeon Master, I get to play as everyone and everything else. So, let us dive back into Freeport, the city of adventure. Previously on Game Night Heroes. Still reeling from their exile in the city of Freeport and their branding as fugitives from the city itself. Our heroes made their way to the island of Twick, where they were quickly besieged by enemies on three fronts. After narrowly escaping the clutches of the forces of the island itself, the serpent people who hound their every step, and their sworn enemies, the crew of the Bloody Vengeance, our heroes made a desperate flight away from the island. In the process of doing so, they defeated the villainous Agro before escaping with the Bloody Vengeance and making their way quickly back towards the city of Freeport, 
hoping to resume their normal business. They are not out of the danger quite yet, however, and they will soon learn that the next steps of their journey will not be of completion, but rather of escalation. Our tale now resumes. On the Bloody Vengeance, you guys are making your way back towards the Freeport Harbor. It is a quick mile and a half distance, so you can make it a pretty good time. The wind is pretty ample this morning, and you guys put some distance between yourselves and Tewick behind you. You do see, after just a few moments, that the ship that the crew of the Bloody Vengeance took over starts to turn and begin to make its way after all of you. So what would you guys like to do? I really think that we should see what's in Scarbelly's cabin and see if we can find some treasure. Oh, I'm on board with that. I know he's got a treasure chest down there. Oh, does he? Um, I guess while they're doing that, I'll stay steering and keeping an eye out. Alrighty. You do see as you guys make your way back, uh, especially you, Iridanza, from your positioning on the stern of the ship where the steering column is, that the Bloody Vengeance is bigger than the other ship that you guys were on. However, it is faster. It's making a lot better time. Even if you guys do get back to shore, you will have time to be able to get off the ship and maybe do something else before Scarbelly and his crew find you and try to seek out retribution. Victor, Arden, and Nisha, you guys go about exploring the Bloody Vengeance. The Bloody Vengeance is a nearly 100-foot-long very crudely built orc pirate vessel. And specifically, it is structured together of different other pieces of the ship that have been repaired. And now that you're closer and you're walking about it, you can see that certain sections of it appear to be parts of other ships that have been attached to it to repair parts of it that were damaged or destroyed, giving a very haphazard and really intimidating look to it. Everything is very rough and very dangerously built. There's more than a few sharp edges about the ship. Although it's dangerous looking, it is relatively upkept, though. It would seem that Scarbelly, even though he captains an orc crew, is very clean and very diligent in his way that he approaches it. So things are in place and things are maintained. The three of you make your way to a set of doors that are just below the forecastle, which is the upper part of the front of the ship where the prow is. Arden, you were in here once before when you guys previously assaulted the Bloody Vengeance during Swagfest. You know that this is where the captain's quarters, you would guess it to be, is. The door is unlocked. You enter within, and you see that it is a small room, about 10 foot wide. It does have a bunch of different accoutrements that are all over the room. The first thing that you notice when you walk in is that there is a table in the center of the room that does have different parchments and maps across the top of it. You notice that there are no chairs, however. You also notice that there are two hammocks that are strung up on the semi-pointed edge of the front of the ship. Arden, you remember when you first encountered Scarbelly that he was in this area resting, so this is more than likely his bed, the bed of another individual, perhaps aggro. You look about the room and you also see that there are different sailing equipment. There's some navigational charts. There's also a compass and sextant and other different things like that are upon the table as well. Looking about the room, you see that there's several chests in here. And the one that really draws your attention is the one that you first noticed when you were on the ship before Arden. A very large, darkly polished wooden chest 
about six feet long and about four feet tall. It takes up a good majority of the room. When you were in here before, it had a canvas that was slung across the top of it. But now that canvas is gone. I want to go try and check the chest for traps. Nisha, you move over to the chest, and it's pretty big. You crouch down in front of it. You start looking about and taking your time to look over the whole thing. If you could make an investigation check, please. 20! You see that the chest does not seem to be trapped or have any sort of dangerous setups upon it. You do see initially that it is locked. There is a pretty large keyhole that is built into the front of it. And as you're investigating it, you can see it does have some decoration, almost like a floral pattern along the edges. And there's different buckles and different other metal banding around the edges of it, too, giving it a bit of a sturdier support. It's a pretty beautiful looking chest, actually. And as you're investigating it, you hear a definitive pounding coming from within it. Um, Guys, there might be something in this chest. Something alive, that is. Um, ready your swords? There is a second, and you guys hear the pounding again. I will use my thieves' tools to unlock the chest. Alrighty. If you could please make a dexterity check with your proficiency bonus added, because you are using your thieves' tools. Well, I got a natural 20, so the total is 26. Wow. Nisha, you pull out your thieves' tools, and you start going to work on the built-in lock on the front of this chest. And it doesn't take you very much time at all. You can see that for all of its very intimidating manner of the front of it, it's not a very difficult lock to pick at all. And in just a few short moments, you manage to unlock it. There is a moment where the pounding from the inside comes again. And then the lid of the chest flings open. And you see as a small head pokes up over the side of the chest. And within, you hear a voice. It's about bloody time. I could have perished in there had you taken any longer, you big... And you look and you see that the individual's eyes go wide, noticing that the three of you in the room are not who they were expecting. When the three of you look in, you see a elderly halfling woman with disheveled gray silvering hair that is bound up into a bun on the back of her head. She's wearing very fanciful clothes that are somewhat distressed as if she's been living in them for quite a bit of time. She looks at the three of you with a very stern countenance, and then she takes in the halfling within your group, and her eyes really narrow. For the love of all the gods, have I been saved by your ignorant ass? Arden, you recognize the face of this woman in the chest. It's been some time since you have seen her. Oh, boy. It's you. I've been looking for you. Have you? She says, peeking an eyebrow. I should dare say you certainly took your time, didn't you? Who are these two? Don't worry about them. You're telling me what to do now? Is that how things work? Their names aren't important. What's important is that I found you. <laughs> she looks at the two of you. Arden, you know her? I sure do. She's the one who taught me everything I know how. Oh. oh. Great. 
I'm Katerina Kenkelberry, at your service. If you are friends of Arden's, then perhaps I should let you lock me back within the chest. I don't blame you. I'm Nisha. Let me help you out. I don't need any help. Do I look like an invalid? Fair enough. Oh, <laughs> classic master. She climbs up out of the chest and steps out over the side and lowers herself down to the floor. And you all see that she has her very fanciful dress and robes that she has on drag across the floor for a bit. You see specifically, Nisha, because you're the closest, that she is missing one of her slippers. When she looks about to the three of you, she says, Well, are you going to fetch me my items or do I need to do that myself as well? I think you can do that one yourself. Where's the large oaf? Scarbelly. Not here. He's on a ship tailing us. Hmm. Then I take it you are not part of his crew? Nope. Not in the slightest. I suppose that makes sense. And she just looks at all three of you and she goes, uh, move? (laughs) I step to the side. Why, of course. And she strides past the two of you and she stops next to you, Arden. We will have words about this. But for now, I have to get my bearings. And she strides through the two doors out onto the deck, leaving the three of you alone in the room for a moment. I can see why you ran away, Arden. I ran away? No, no, she was the one who ran away. I came here looking for her. You came looking for her? Well, of course. I would have left her. What do you need from her? Well, don't you know, Nisha? No. I'm the chosen one. Oh, boy. Or something sort of like that. I'm supposed to, like, save the people of my village or something? I I don't know. I didn't pay much attention to it. All I know is, is that she had to come here, I think, for some important stuff, I think, and I came after her. Okay, then. That makes a lot of sense, somehow. Iridanza, from where you are standing at the steering column of the ship, you look around and you see that there is a small figure that emerges from the doors that your three friends disappeared into. She strides across the ship and she stops near the center mast and she looks about with a very inquisitive look on her eye. She takes in the morning air. She looks back past the ship's edge towards the ship that Scarbelly is trailing you all in and she snorts. And as she looks about, she sees you steering, her eyes narrow in disappointment, and then she starts making her way closer to where you're standing. How did Arden turn into a girl? (laughs) (laughs) What did he do with his wild magic this time? Last time it was an eye on his forehead. So you're kind of wondering what exactly happened. Do the three of you come out after her, or do you just stay in the captain's quarters? Um, I'll start to come out after we have that conversation. Yeah, I'm going to go follow her out. Okay. Yeah, I'll uh, stay below and search for more treasure and chests and stuff. Okay. As you're wondering this, Iridanza, you watch as just a few paces behind this halfling woman, Victor comes out, and right at his heels is Arden. The two of them are a study in duality. You see that Victor is looking completely and totally confused, a little bit dejected, and somewhat irritated 
And Arden looks as though a child who has just found his favorite toy after being away from it for a long time. He's positively beaming at the presence of this woman. Who on the high seas are you? She makes her way up into the area where you are. And she says, I am Katerina Kankleberry. And who might you be? I'm Lady Iridanza. She just looks at you evenly. Where are we headed, Lady Iridanza? City of Freeport, where everyone's a fugitive, no matter your rank in life. Freeport? And she turns back towards the harbor that you guys are approaching. By the gods, have I been taken that far? How long have you been on this ship? And why have they not killed you yet? Her eyes whip back towards you, and she has a look that can just burn right into you. I give it right back. And there's a moment where the two of you just stare each other down, and in the silence, Victor and Arden come up. What do you guys do when you come up upon us? I'm sitting there with a bit of trail rations and watching this ensue. All right. So, Arden, what do you do? Ooh, ooh, Iridanza. I see you met my former master. Who's gonna blink first? Uh, um. Speechless. I know. I understand. Don't worry. Your master is on a ship of violent orcs who kill everyone. Ah, she was locked in a treasure chest on a violent ship of violent orcs. And she didn't die locked in a treasure chest. Don't be foolish, young girl. Of course those orcs were let to be feed and let me drink. It wasn't as though they just simply left me in a chest, unattended. I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> I suppose I certainly wouldn't either. So, Freeport it is then, eh? Freeport it is. She looks back towards the pirate ship that's trailing you all. Well, we certainly can't have them catch us. He'll be rather cross to take his ship back. Excuse me a moment. And she strides past you. She goes over to the edge. She looks at them for a moment. And then she gestures. And with something muttered under her breath that none of you can hear, you watch as her hands glow for a second. And this orangey-red energy flashes between all of her fingertips as she draws it apart, almost like strings of a cat's cradle. And she turns her hand, and when she flicks all of her fingers, the cat's cradle leaves her hand and streaks forward. It flies over to the other ship that Scarbelly is on, and it slams into the side of it and cuts the first third of the ship off, almost like a giant sword slicing through it. There is some commotion from the pirates on that ship as it begins to then sink. She turns back to the four of you. There. Now I suppose we'll get back to Freeport in one piece. Arden, she says, turning to you. Yes. Are these three friends of yours able to actually steer this thing back, or do they need help with that as well? Uh, I don't know. I step forward. I can handle a ship. Good, she says. Take us into Freeport, then, and be quick about it. I'll take as much time as I'd like. <sighs> I see that time does not teach any of you young people any more manners, does it? You gotta have manners to get manners. Her eyes narrow as she regards you. What is your name? My name is Victor Reed. And she just walks off, 
making her way back down towards the main deck of the ship. Nisha, you take some time investigating the captain's quarters on the Bloody Vengeance, and you do find that amongst the several chests that are in there, they're relatively easy to pick. You take some time doing that, and while your friends are dealing with the lovely presence that is Katarina Kinkleberry, you are able to acquire 350 gold pieces. Woohoo! Good deal. You make your way back out onto the main deck with your allies, and when you do so, it is when the first rays of the rising sun begin to streak up over the eastern facade of the horizon that the five of you sail into Freeport's Harbor. As you approach, you see that there are other ships that are, if they were in a lane or trying to move in a certain direction, they quickly move out of the way of the Bloody Vengeance as it makes its way into the harbor. This is a time where the infamous nature of this vessel's reputation is going to come in quite handy because everyone is giving you a very wide berth right now. Where do you want to take the ship specifically, Victor? I would like to take it back to the place that they had it parked and park it the same way that they did. Perfect. You steer it into that section of the Freeport docks where the Bloody Vengeance, when you guys first encountered it, was parked across three very prime choice lanes right in the front entryway of the city, and you take it right back in the same way. Iridanza, you have some familiarity with ships, so the two of you were able to bring it in and send out the lines and to tie it off to the ship properly. You don't end up using those chains that Scarbelly and his crew were using. You use good old regular rope that is coiled upon the deck of the ship. As you guys are going about this, you see that Katarina is standing off to the side, and she watches you do this. Her silence and the fact that she's not saying anything rude could possibly be taken as the fact that she approves of what you're doing. And now that you guys have arrived back in Freeport, what would you like to do? I think we need to get back to the temple as soon as possible, guys, before it gets too light out. Katarina looks at you, Arden. And which temple would this be? It's the Temple of Knowledge. That's kind of where our home base is. I see. And so you have met very openly with Theron, then, and are well aware of his practices and his preachings, then? Uh, I mean, I've talked to him once. Twice. Is it is it twice? Or is it just once? Once. Once. Yeah, we'll just go with once. She just evenly turns her head to you to regard what you said, and then she turns back. You there, elves. Yes? Are you going to be accompanying us onto the temple proper, or are you going to be finishing up whatever this is, she says, gesturing with her hands dismissively. We're going to the temple, all of us. And quickly. Very well. I trust that the four of you know your way around the city, then, if you have been there before. Yes. Very well. Lead on, then. All right. And she follows the four of you down off of the Bloody Vengeance and onto the harbor of Freeport. And it is a very welcoming sight. You had a very busy couple of hours. So you guys make your way across the city, making your way back towards the Temple District. You pass through the docks and then up towards the Merchant District, cutting through the main section of the city. You guys give yourselves a wide berth of the old city where the law is most prevalent to avoid Riker Lloyd and unwanted attention. Yes, and Nisha has her hood up on her cloak around her. Absolutely. 
You guys cut in through the Merchant District, moving away in a northerly fashion up into the Temple District. And even though Freeport today seems to be your regular city that you guys have been used to interacting with, there is a little bit of a trepidation that you all have. You're a little bit nervous, ready to perhaps defend yourselves at a moment notice if you have to. Katarina seems to be impervious or doesn't really care about any of your guys' attitudes because she walks along as if she's the queen of the city and it has her purpose. She walks in silence. It doesn't seem to regard any of you with any sort of questions or asking what your business is. She walks along as if the four of you are almost her guards or her escort and seems to walk along without any sort of care as to what anybody else around the five of you are doing. After a short jaunt through the city, you do arrive back at the Temple District. And the sun is fully risen over the city of Freeport by the time you arrive. And you come up to that fountain that is in the center of the Temple District Square. The Temple of Knowledge is right where you guys left it. You see that there are several brothers out and about in the front of it. And they are getting things ready. They are bringing out pitchers and watering plants and going about the regular things that you would see people doing in the beginning of the morning to start their day. The four of you with Katarina in tow move up to the front doors and enter within. Unlike all the other times that you guys have arrived at the Temple of Knowledge, Norton, the young man who sits behind the front desk, is not sitting there. The front desk is empty. You can see that the brothers inside are moving about and they are getting things ready. But they're moving about like they're all very distracted. They have other things on their minds. It seems that they're all a little bit agitated. I stop one of them. Uh, excuse me, where's Norton? Oh, yes, he uh, attending to other things. Um, Reed, is it? Victor Reed? Yes. Yes, uh, well, you might want to speak with Theron immediately. There was, uh, there was a bit of a commotion last night. Uh, one of the brothers is missing. I see. Can you point me to his direction? Of course, he's in his office, if you don't mind. And he points uh, across the atrium. And right as you look across, you see that there are eight brothers, four near each one of the two statues of Biblius, the god of knowledge. And they gesture and they complete the spell. And the two giant lanterns that are magically infused behind the two statues flare to life, bathing the entire atrium in that bright, the light of knowledge that they call it. And he points at the same room that you guys were just in last night. Thank you very much. I guess he's in his office, guys. Let's go. The four of you start to move forward, and you notice that Katarina still stands there by the front desk. She looks about, and then she looks at the four of you expectantly. And then when nothing happens, she sighs and rolls her eyes, annoyed with you all. You're not sure what you were supposed to do, but you annoyed her nonetheless. She annoys me. Don't worry, y'all. She does this pretty often. You'll just get used to it. I'm starting to see why Scarbelly locked her in a chest. And the four of you begin to make your way across the atrium. You get over to the door that is Theron's office. And when you get there, you find that it is open. Theron is in the room. He has his back to the door and he's leaning over the desk and he's rifling through some papers and books very hurriedly as if he's looking for something. Theron, one of the brothers, said that you wanted to see us. He stops and he looks over his shoulder. He notices the four of you standing there. Oh, yes, of course. Welcome back. And who is this? He says, looking past you to where Katarina is standing. I apologize, she says. 
I was not properly introduced by my escort and guard. Oh yeah, the stowaway? Yep, that's her. I'm Katarina Kankleberry, she says. And Theron gives her a deep bow. You are well met here, Katarina Kankleberry. I am Theron, High Priest of the Temple of Knowledge. You are welcome here, and welcome for all the days that you wish to have. I do not believe that I said that I wish to speak with you, but that I am glad that you are here. We have had a development. Last night, after the group of us spoke, there was a, a bit of a commotion, and we did not learn of it until this morning. It would seem that we had a bit of a disappearance in the night. You all remember Lucius, the librarian that you saved recently? Did he go missing again? Not only him, but Brother Egil has disappeared as well. It would seem that the two of them did not report to where they were supposed to last evening, and they have not been seen since. I, he looks and kind of regards Katarina for a moment, and she actually raises an eyebrow in interest as to what you all are talking about. And he says, I am not sure what happened. I believe in light of our recent discussions that perhaps it could be related. Well, we can look into it. We remember where uh, Lucius's place is. We don't know where Egil's place is, but we could take a look and see if we find anything. He gives you a quick nod. Yes, of course. Egil does have a proper room here within the temple, but he does oftentimes just simply stay with his friend Lucius. Okay, well, if we could see uh, Egil's room here in the temple, that would be helpful. Of course. And then you could leave us there for eight hours. Uh, you do look as though you are in need of rest. And and he actually moves forward, and he doesn't actually touch you, but he puts a hand about an inch or so away from your cheek, where there is dried blood now from where the thrown javelin sliced across your face. And he says, you do look as though you are in need of healing. Any member of my clergy could help you with such a thing. Perfect. He gives you a nod. Yes, of course. Uh, forgive me my manners, Miss Kinkleberry, please. If you wish, we could speak more properly. And she says, I would appreciate that greatly. And she moves past the four of you into the room with him. Oh, hey, also, Theron, can we keep me and my group's presence a bit of a secret from the town guard? Since last we spoke, we've sort of become fugitives. Fugitives? Misunderstandings, really. Yeah, but they're labeling us as fugitives. We think one of the sea lords is after us. He exiled us to the lighthouse, and then we went there, and there were snake people. Oh yeah, there's snake people at the lighthouse, too. And something darker. Yes, it was nighttime when we were there. There is a tense moment that hangs in the air between you and Theron as he takes in what you just said, not breaking eye contact with you, Arden. And then he nods and turns his attention back to Katarina. And the four of you step out of the room. You turn back to say something else, Arden, to Katarina. And she flicks her hand and the door shuts, closing the four of you out of whatever conversation it is that the two of them are about to have. Well, she's a pleasant one. I know. Isn't she the best? We'll flag down one of the other brothers in the temple and ask him to direct us to Egil's room. You flag down a brother and it actually turns out Victor, you recognize him, the young man who gave you the missive from Theron last night, Brother Barnabas. He gives you the directions as to where the room is. It's on the upper level near where Lucius's room was. Okay. Let's go see what we can find out there. Sounds like a plan. 
The door to the high priest's office closed with a loud, audible click, and the woman, once known for her practiced illusionary magic, slowly turned to regard the man. The elder halfling woman peeked an eyebrow. High Priest Theron, if you could perhaps tell me what exactly it is that you are planning here within the temple, I wish to offer my aid in whatever way that I can. Oh, well, yes, of course. I appreciate your good will, and I appreciate your fact that you are willing to be so kind. But you must understand that we of the Temple of Knowledge are a practiced and reserved group. We do not typically wish to involve outsiders in our going-ons here. The woman's face curled into a smile, one genuine and true, and truly reserved for friends. I understand completely what you speak of, High Priest, which is why I believe it is time for us to speak plainly. Oh, he said, raising his own eyebrow. Yes, indeed. I must say, Theron, I'm quite surprised that you had not taken a bigger step to make sure that I was found. I beg your pardon? The man asked, a look of actual confusion spread across his features. Tell me, do the turnips still bother your senses? I don't believe I know what you speak of, he asked, confusion again crossing his features. She turned, crossed the room, and walked over to a small chair that was directly across the table before the man, and sat upon it. She looked down to the desk, where a single turnip laid upon the center of the seemingly placed there, almost at random. But his placement across the center of the table made it much more important than something accidentally placed there. I merely ask because you have a wild grain turnip upon your desk. And at last we had spoken, Theron. Turnips were one of your most reviled foods. If memory serves, eating such a thing causes you to fly into a great anaphylaxis and have quite a rash of hives spring out across your form. Do you mean to tell me that for some reason you have gotten over the allergy that has plagued you since your youth? With that, the man's face fell to one of a stone-cold reservation. Something passed between the two of them as Katarina continued to speak. No, I assume that there are a great many things about you that perhaps have changed. The man shifted uncomfortably in his chair. He knew what she was getting at. He knew the noose was tightening, that the hook had been baited, and he had accidentally swallowed it whole. She gestured with her left hand, a small, simple thing, but a somatic component nonetheless, to accept her arcane gift that she pulled from the ether. Her eyes glazed over for a moment, her pupils and irises disappearing to the white. And she looked upon the man, truly saw him. She gestured again, and the spell washed away. Now, let us speak very plainly about what it is you have intended for the city of Freeport. I do not have time for the trivialities of common pranks and deceptions. After all, I have a city to save, and one of them, her eyes very so slightly, shifted towards the door, or perhaps all, will be tasked with defending this city on payment of death, whether they are ready or not. 
I merely pray that this little deception of yours has not cost us too much time. You are aware that the timeline draws ever closer before they enact their dark ritual. If the Velocens were able to fully commandeer the city and complete the ritual began all those years ago, we would all be lost. I trust that this is above your petty needs. So, she turned to regard the man at the chair again, tell me exactly what your purpose is here, and how exactly it factors into the greater fate of the city of my birth. The halfling woman was a third of the height of the man in the chair, but at this moment she loomed above him in ways that he could not fathom. Her power was immense, and he knew that before their conversation was over, he would give her everything she required. You guys make your way back across the temple and to the upstairs. And Victor, you know this way before because you had a meeting with Lucius, just yourself, that your friends are not aware of happened. Mm -hmm. So you remember the way quite well. I'm acting like I don't know. Okay. You get up to the top and they walk you past that room where you had that strange interaction with Lucius before you are taken to the next room. You enter within and what you find is a very Spartan room. It's basically a six foot by six foot room that has a single bed within it and a writing desk. There is four books atop the writing desk that are all closed, stacked up nice and neat. And other than that, the room is pretty bare. It looks like it has not been used or slept in in some time. I think we'll have better luck at Lucius's place. Probably, but I think we should rest up here first. Agreed. It's a pretty small room, so I don't think the four of you would be able to properly rest within it with its very small bed. I'm just going to go out and ask the hallway if there's additional beds we can nap in. After asking around, one of the brothers is able to actually guide the four of you towards a small dormicile on the other side of the building. You walk across a walkway that overlooks the atrium below as you make your way over to the west side of the building. And when you arrive, you do find four rooms, similarly furnished to the one that Ejol stays in, that are joined by a small little setting area, a little suite, as it were, and you are able to stay there. Before you lay down to rest, however, you all have a lot going through your minds still, and you decide to take stock of what all you know thus far. So, Nisha, um, what did you see while you were unconscious? I saw darkness. Lots and lots of darkness. And there was something in there. Some sort of being. And it told me that it wants death. And then it tried to kill me. Interesting. Well, that's pretty spooky. Yeah, to say the least. I don't know how I was rescued, though. I, I don't know how I'm still alive now. Well, well, that's the weird part. Because you see Victor stabbed himself. And then there was a magic light. And then you were not dead. You stabbed yourself, Victor? Yeah, it was a bit of a gamble, but it seemed to work. Why did you stab yourself? Well, I guess I should tell you guys the story of how I came upon this trinket. 
So I pull my sword out and I show them the design of the hill. It is a small circular trinket, approximately three inches in diameter, that has a very distinct Ouroboros design to it. Two intertwining snakes that wrap continuously around each other. You can barely tell where the one begins and the other ends, except for the fact that they are both laid in different metals. One appears to be a dull pewter type color, and the other one appears to be a brightly polished, almost platinum type of color. On my very first treasure hunt, I was with this crew, and we sailed to the island of Twick, where we had heard there was a cave that had various treasures in it. There was rumor that the cave was cursed, but we went anyhow. While we were searching the cave, this trinket kind of caught my eye. I had seen this. I had heard that there might be an item that could amplify magical abilities, which intrigued me. And for some reason, this trinket called out to me. I don't know, there was just something that felt like I needed to have it. When I grabbed it, everything just went dark. I woke up, and the entire crew was gone, just decimated. Um, couldn't find a living soul. But the trinket did seem to awaken some sort of magical abilities that I didn't have before. But I fear now that I am cursed by the trinket. And I'm starting to wonder if this trinket is somehow connected to whatever you saw while you were unconscious. One of the abilities I've come to learn is that I've been able to transfer life, so to speak, from enemies to me. And I thought maybe there's a way I can do it in reverse. So I rolled the dice. Apparently Lady Luck was on my side. That's the only thing I can think of how it worked, but who knows? It's only a hunch. Well, I'm glad it worked. Thank you. I'm wondering if it's the artifact I'm looking for. Do you say anything about that? No, I'm just kind of thinking that in my head, because what if it's not? I see. And so I'm sure some of you know I've taken a job up at Falthar's shop. He's quite the adventurer, and he's seen quite a bit. I've been having him study my sword while I've been working, and a sort of deal to find out more about it, to see what it is and exactly what it can do. And how either I can use it for good or if I need to somehow find a way to get rid of it. The reaction of the serpent folk leads me to believe that this is definitely connected to them somehow. Kind of wondering if it's a relic or an artifact that deals with their god of some sort. So Iridanza, when he speculates that, you wonder... If this could perhaps be the artifact that you're looking for, the one that Gavin was supposed to get for you. If this is the same artifact, you know that its purpose is to amplify magical capabilities. And if it is connected to the serpent people, if they acquire it, it could be very detrimental to your people. 
So the thoughts going through her head is, I have to keep him and the sword safe now. While continuing to research in case it's a different artifact. Right. Um, well, by the way, guys, when I was searching the ship, I found some gold. And I hand them each 87 pieces of gold. I actually fell asleep during the middle of it. <laughs> nice. Cool. I'm just snoozing on the floor right there. <laughs> Victor, there's a little bit of a relief when you tell your friends what happened. And although it was painful for you to discuss with them and to reveal to them, you do feel that it is a weight off of you to not carry that burden of how you acquired the abilities and the shame and the fear that you have, even when you are relishing in the magics that you have from the trinket. It is good to know that they still accept you. It was something that maybe you might have been worried about. You know that back home, if you had told your other family that they would not have reacted so kindly. Luckily, you're not there anymore. Let's take that rest. All right. So the four of you find different various rooms across the Temple of Knowledge, and you do find a quick respite. And all four of you from the battle and the night that you had all quickly find yourselves asleep and resting very thoroughly. Except for Arden, who was already asleep. And rest comes very heavily upon you all after the night that you've had, investigating, being arrested, subsequently escaping, and barely and narrowly getting out of the clutches of the island of Chewick. When, in your slumber, there is a noise that begins to waken three of you from your slumber. From somewhere in the hall outside of your rooms, you hear a rumbling. It sounds as though someone is shaking the floor and the doorframe violently. It's almost as if the building itself is starting to ripple and come apart around you all. You spring awake and you look about you to see what is going on. And in your various rooms, you watch as the doors to your rooms in unison all fly open. A bright, vibrant red light beams in from outside the hall. And in that light, a small shadow floats across the floor. You blink for a moment, the sleepiness out of your eyes, and you look closer to see a familiar halfling floating across the hallway. His features burned in a strange rictus of concentration. It's Arden, the third eye wide open on his forehead, blazing out this bright, vibrant light, bathing you all in the magical wild energies that flow about him. He's speaking, and as he gets closer, you begin to make out the words. I uh, see, see, gnome, gnome, Gavin, Gavin, gnome, betraying someone, purple eyes. I see Nisha, purple eyes. Ship, Victor, on ship, crew, dead, artifact, trinket. Nisha, Victor, Iridanza, connected, trinket. <gasps> uh, uh, what, what happened? Where's where's my bed? That bright red light flashes out of existence when Arden awakens. The third eye on his forehead burns slightly and begins to fade, the skin growing back over as it dissipates into his form. 
He looks about in confusion, as do the three of you. Uh, where am I? Why am I on my room? Who are you? Oh, it's just you guys. What are you doing in my room? You're in the hallway, Arden. You're not in your room. What? Why would you take me out of the hall? This is weird. We that was a weird we didn't. for you to do. You floated out. You said we were connected. What? No. Well, yeah. I mean, we're all in this hallway, so clearly connected by your insidious plot to take me away from my bed. No. Wait, what just happened to your eye? You had a third eye a second ago. Three eyes, Iridanza. You need some sleep. You guys saw the third eye, right? Yeah, I saw it. Yes. You mentioned the name Gavin. How do you know him? Who's I, I don't even know who Gavin is. Who is Gavin? Gavin's the man that killed my father. <gasps> He's the one I've come here to find and take care of. Nisha, that's so sad. Thank you. He's also the man my father hired to find our artifact. You don't think... That artifact is the artifact that I found with my crew? Well, Gavin told me the crew sent to get this artifact never returned. Well, after I grabbed the artifact, well, I thought it was just a trinket. And I blacked out. I woke up. The crew was dead. I took a rowboat to Freeport after that. You mean my artifact has been near me this entire time? Uh, I guess so, attached to my sword. I see. The last time I spoke to Gavin, he told me there was a counterpart somewhere in the Arkham shipping lanes that goes with it. Well, I guess that's where we should head next, maybe. We need to see if Theron might be able to help us deal with the City Watch. If we're going to go out and about in broad daylight. We need a way to get through the city. We could wait till dark. That might be just as dangerous. <laughs> the shipping lanes may hold all the final clues to the mystery before you, but for now, that seems selfish to the four of you. You know you have a more immediate concern on your hands. Your friend and former benefactor, Egil, has been absconded with by the strange, dark individuals who have plagued you before in the past, and you know that it may be up to the four of you, and the four of you alone, to be able to rescue he and Lucius from whatever torments await them. What do you do? Okay. So, last we know, Egil was with Lucius at Lucius's apartment. But now we're going to see if there's any new clues to their newest disappearance. Yes. Sounds about right. I guess I just don't know, like, who could be responsible for it. I mean, like, who would bust into his room and take what? Serpent people. That's who. It's always some darn serpent people. How about that one guy at the jail who's a big meanie head? Verlaine? Yeah. The councilman? He might be a serpent person. Yeah, what if he's a serpent person? He could be, or he's in league with them. Then again, he didn't kill me right away. He's probably just in league with them. I think you're right, Victor. 
I mean, we know he was working with Milos. Yeah, he didn't seem too phased when you brought that up. And I think the lighthouse must be some sort of temple that they were building for the... The unspeakable one? Yeah, their deity. Pretty sure I met the deity when I almost died. Hey, do we still have Milos' book somewhere? Wasn't that stolen by that kid? Crap, that's right. We need to find that kid. So many things to do. Maybe he'll find us. Yeah, now there's one thing, though, we still have to figure out. And that's, why did you all bring me in the hallway? (laughs) Your wild magic brought you in the hallway. I don't even know what that is. You're just making things up. You floated here on your own. You have a new power. Congratulations. Now go back to bed. Don't even argue with him. Just let him go back to sleep. You ate so many turnips, you gained flying abilities. Well, you know what? (laughs) I'm just going to keep eating turnips and and then fly away from here and not have to deal with you anymore. Arden, go to bed. No. Now I'm angry. The four of you make your way back to your respective rooms uneasily. The different information that you guys have all speculated upon with one another weighs heavily upon you. You are aware that something has changed now in the quest that you all have. It doesn't exactly feel like random events that have brought you all together now at this point. A deeper fate lies with you all, a fate tied to the city of Freeport. And the answers that you might seek out in the morning may be able to help you reach that destiny. Thank you for listening to the Game Night Heroes. The tale continues another time. This was Freeport, Episode 16, Song of the Hexblade. Please subscribe and give us a review. It helps new listeners find us and take the journey along with you and with us. We can be found on all social media at Game Night Heroes. Please be sure to follow us for updates and for new information. We can also be found at GameNightHeroes.com. The Game Night Heroes is hosted and game mastered by Kevin Stacy. Victor Reed is played by Rob Alexander. Iradonzo Orame is played by Colleen Alexander. Arden Langalar is played by Aaron Regner. Nisha Lycoania is played by Brittany Stone. The Freeport Trilogy was created and published by Chris Premus and Green Ronin Publishing. Logo design and podcast cover art for the Game Night Heroes was created by Josh Kay. Music is from various artists and appears from Pixabay. Please feel free to message us at GameNightHeroesContact at gmail. We'd love to hear from you. This has been a presentation of the game Night Heroes. Until next time, keep dreaming your impossible dream.
<laughs> yeah, no, no, no. This is this is the plan. So then, it, oh, what, okay. like, what is, what is my thing? I'm going to say. So I'm going to be like, no, Gavin, Gavin, the train, the train person, purple eyes, stabs him <laughs> in the back. I like it. Ship, ship goes out. Victor on ship. Crew murdered. Artifact found. <laughs> Nisha, Victor, Iridanza connected. <laughs> and then everyone's going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, how'd you know? Gavin hired the ship out? Wait, that's the artifact we need? Oh, and then everyone's going to be like, oh my gosh. And then Arden is just going to maybe like toot and wake himself up. You should put it in the podcast just like that. <laughs> just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> That's what I thought it was going to be like. would be like. That's it, Aaron. You just recorded it, buddy. You just oh, recorded boy. it. Hey, did you like what you just heard? Well, if so, you can also journey into the realm of Freeport by visiting greenroninstore.com. There you can find all of your Freeport needs and all of the different adventures, supplements, and rule sets that you'll need to vanquish the forces of the Far Realm in a pirate town once gone legit. Form your own adventures at greenroninstore.com. Use our affiliation code GKHERO to save on your purchase. Thanks for listening.